Thank you for joining us today on the Barack Lurie Program. Coming to the microphone, slimmer than ever, better looking than ever, handsomer than ever. But that doesn't matter. You're tuning in just for his brains. So here's his brain and his voice, too. Brock Lurie, take it away. All right, all right. Thank you very much, Ari. That was a uh, much better intro than the one we did in rehearsal, I think. I think. So, in rehearsal, that's right. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's fair to say that I have a face for podcasts or radio, and that's why... <laughs> it's best that you just listen to me. But that's why podcasts. I post your picture that people see. Oh, my God. You're actually posting my picture <laughs> for people to see me? Uh, well, hey, don't you want podcast. this podcast to succeed, Ari? Is that, aren't you my producer? Aren't you supposed to be helping me and my cause? Well, aren't we supposed to, don't you think we're, we're, we're destroying the ability of listeners to, to be interested in this by showing my picture? What were you thinking, my friend? Oh, my God, you're right. I forgot we need to have pictures of, like, attractive women. That's instead. all I'm saying. That's what I'm... <laughs> Maybe is that cats? too much to ask? Or just put a very handsome guy in, in the photo at the least and just pretend. <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, today we want to talk about uh, Milwaukee and all the permutations associated with it. But more importantly, we want to talk about the notion of fake racism. Okay, now this is an idea that Ari kind of cogitated a little while ago, and I, I liked it so much that I thought it would be a good topic for, for our conversation, that fake re, uh, racism leads to real racism. Okay, what do we mean by that? Well, right now, as we're talking, uh, riots are erupting in Milwaukee. Why, you ask? Because uh, a black police officer killed a, a black man, a young man, can who I, was holding I, a gun. Can I just uh, make, say that part? Yeah. Because a black police officer killed a criminal. Yes, that's I, true. I, I like Who also, but he happened to be black, and so therefore they decided that there was racism. Now, no, no longer matters if the cop is white. Okay, if it, yeah, you actually point out that listen, the, the cop in question is is black, so probably not a racist. And you could just hear the mob kind of pausing and saying, "We don't care." Right. And they, they start off with the rabble rousing and and torching and looting and everything else, and it just it it matters not. It just doesn't matter at all. Yeah, so, I, so I here even we say very soon they'll start having white victims of the police in shooting encounter, and that'll cause a riot in the black community of some major city. And when it's pointed out the victim is white, they'll go, we don't care. <laughs> Either. Now, it just doesn't matter all of a sudden. So, right. Well, he could have been black. You know, it's, it's, you, do, you, do you ever have this uh, situation with, with people? You, you confront them with a, uh, a bad thing that they've done or that they were wrong to yell at you or whatever reason, and you prove to them that you did, in fact, I don't know, deliver the, the, the product, and they were yelling you about that, right? And then, and then you say to them, well, but look, I, I, it shows here I did deliver the product, unlike what you're accusing me of not doing. And then he, he sees it, and sure enough, you know, he nods his head, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, but this is something that you would do. Right. Right? Yes. And, and it's, you know, I, so I'm still angry at you, right? It's the same thing. It's from some precognitive right. ability right. of ESP. Right. So, so what they have is, you know, like your example of, of killing a white person, they'll say, well, it would have been anyway. It would have been anyway. Right. <laughs> it would have been a black, it could have been a black person. So that that's the kind of attitude. It's they, really weird. They would have shot him if they thought he was if they if they yeah. if they didn't the cop think probably he was thought black, he was black. Right. Yeah. They thought he was black, which is why I shot him. It just so happened to be that he was right. white. <laughs> yeah, but it they was really, dark outside, he looked dark. <laughs> whatever, you know, they couldn't see that he was white. Anyway, the point is that you have Milwaukee, you have Los Angeles, you have Baltimore, you have all these and tra uh, the Ferguson uh, and now known as the Ferguson effect, of course. These, these horrible things going on throughout the world, throughout America, and we are the least racist country in the world. That and probably Israel. Despite all what you hear on the news, Israel is a remarkably non-racist, very tolerant society. And America is too. And, and are there some racists? Of course. Are they a meaningful sliver of society? No. They're like, they're like uh, lighting a, a, a one match on a huge iceberg. Okay. Will they impact the, the iceberg? No. It, it, it doesn't redefine the iceberg. It's, suddenly, it's not as if you, you poured kerosene all over the, the iceberg and then it, it all melted. It's not that way. It has no relationship to it. But to, to somehow want to change all of American society based upon you know, literally the, the 0.001% of the population who is no doubt racist, 
uh, but who are not even acting on it. They, they may have feelings uh, against blacks or other minorities, but they don't act upon it. It's a, at least not in a meaningful way. They, they, and if, if they try to, they would be arrested right away, right? So it's not as if they, you know, they, they can do anything about it. So this whole country is kind of turning itself upside down based upon these bizarre uh, suppositions that racism is, is rampant everywhere you look. And, and so here it is that, they, you know, they, they have um, a killing of a, of a black young man by a black cop, and they decide that it's racist anyway. It just, they just didn't care. They just don't care. So, but by saying it, we, we, we opened this up by, by Ari's comment that fake re- racism leads to real racism. And the, do you remember, Ari, the article that prompted you to say that? Because I thought it was a very good point, the, the particular article. I remember seeing it. Um, I think it was a PJ Media article, if I remember. Yeah. And the analysis was that the, a, a, a stable population could be driven into a state of paranoia right. there, there you by go. rumor. Mm-hmm. And, and rumors invariably are false. Right. Very, very often they are, they are false. There's a rumor that somebody is pregnant. There's a rumor that somebody's gay. There's a rumor that somebody got fired yeah, from and a then job. Before you know it, because the rumor is so oft repeated, yeah. it suddenly takes on a life of its own and is accepted as, as fact. Example, yeah. Bush lied, people died. That's right. Bush, uh, the Bush ones are so easy to come by. Yeah. Uh, Bush lied us into Iraq. Bush uh, uh, killed those people in Hurricane Katrina. As, right. if he public, right. as if he whipped out his member and urinated on the streets of New Orleans, flooding it, causing everyone right. to drown. That's true. You know, yeah. um, you well, know the Valerie the, Plame thing. Right. The, uh, uh, all the conspiracies that right. you could possibly uh, there imagine. Were no, uh, my favorite of all, of course, is there were no chemical weapons in Iraq. Uh, right. Side note, <clears throat> mustard gas is now being used on a daily basis by ISIS, but there was no chemical weapons in yes, Iraq. Yes. But, but so many people... Except that is true. And the same is true with these these incidents ever since Trayvon Martin. Or actually, they're really going back to like the Henry Louis Gates, you know, beer summit incident. It, during the Obama administration, this this canard that the country's racists have, have coalesced in, in a uh, set of actions because of the black president and become virulent and as dangerous as the Jim Crow South is amazing. Well, let's, let's get back to the whole notion of fake racism leads to real racism, because I want to kind of set it up a little bit right now. What do, what do we mean by fake racism? It's, it's racism looking for the problem to, to present itself somehow. It, it, Meaning it's, blaming racism on Trayvon's on demise or Michael Brown's demise or any yeah, yeah. problem... Yeah, but any problem whatsoever is a function and the product of racism. I had one of the uh, one of my callers on my Sunday show call in, and I, we were just talking about capitalism, how wonderful capitalism was, and uh, we weren't talking about race whatsoever. And his comment was to me, "Yeah, but the reason why we're so wealthy in, in, in our capitalist society today is because it was all done on the backs of slavery." <laughs> And it came out of nowhere, this, this crazy right. comment, right? But it, but it was just that. It's a crazy comment. And so he viewed the, the world putting aside everything we talked about before about how uh, it, it's not a, you know, the, the race thing with, with the Ferguson and, and Jesse Jackson and such. Just put those aside for it. He viewed everything. Every success was the result of the exploitation of slavery or the exploitation of blacks, generally speaking, the Jim Crow South, or just the hatred of blacks. That, that's how we view it, everything. And I think that he's not alone. I think he's very representative of a lot of people. And they, they view their, their, their whole worldview when they go down the street is, is such like, okay, here comes a white man, here comes a black man, here comes a, an Asian man, here comes a, a woman. This is how they, they perceive themselves and their role in their community as they walk down the street. They go into a restaurant, whether it's a fast fat burger chain or a Chinese restaurant. They, they, they see themselves first as, who are the racists in this restaurant? Why, why is he not being nice to me? Oh, because of, because of, because of my race. And it's, what a shame, first of all, that that's the case. But how did he get to that point? Right? I'll tell you, because of all the fake racism peddled by people like Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, who's a very... Raison d'être, the, the reason for being is is because to fight racism, so supposedly. Or, but all they do is stir up the pot because they they wouldn't have any 
existence. Uh, like I said, a raison d'etre uh, without, without the perception and encouraging the perception that there is racism all over. So, and they, they constantly got to be fighting it. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like somehow um, a, a fireman who no longer, and there are no more fires anymore. Um, so, you know, why is his whole purpose there? I mean, and of course there are always fires, but somehow there was some sort of retardant that completely obliterated the need for any fireman anymore, right? So what do you do? I mean, you got to find another job. Or you could become an arsonist. <laughs> that's true. Which too. is what they've become. Well, yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Oh, I, I was going to say that was a weak analogy, but but actually it's it's pretty good. It's a good. super strong it's analogy. A, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a very strong one, and and it does amplify the point of how these guys think. I'm talking about Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and men like them, mostly men, who who, who would <laughs> racism and encouraging people to think of racism is what gives them life. It, what that's the only reason they, they exist. So they're the race peddlers, right? They're the ones encouraging this sort of behavior. And then, of course, you have many other people who are thinking the same thing. It's, it's almost as if, you know, now in hindsight, um, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, I mean, they're, they're uh, Black Lives Matter light, if you want. There's so many people out there doing exactly the same thing who are saying it on Facebook and otherwise uh, you know, there's, it's taken on a whole new life of their own. Now it's become extremely violent. Now it's come to the point where there's been so much damage inflicted by, by way of these riots and everything else that um, people are actually being maimed. People, and certainly businesses are being destroyed. And communities are being destroyed. And if, if you want proof of that, just look at Ferguson. Just look at what's happening now in Milwaukee. And of course, what happened in the Los Angeles riots uh, it's not a good situation. And when you're encouraging people to think of themselves as, as victims, and more poignantly, when you encourage them to think of themselves uh, as, as uh, in terms of race, and as only in terms of race. Victims of racism. Victims of racism, but also that they are black and, and those guys are white, not to think of themselves as human beings. Okay? That's, that's the big problem. And, and when you go about, just like I talked about before, about the, the man on the street just seeing himself all day long, like, is this man a racist? Is that man a racist? Is this man's white? Does he, is he, when he's being nice to me, is he really doing so for some ulterior purpose? I mean, what a sad life to live. That's not the way anyone, any one of us want to live. Uh, I, I, I don't live that way. I see a black person, I couldn't care less what his skin color is. So, look, I mean, it's, it, okay, this, is, this seems to me so obvious, but at the end of the day, if you just keep on stirring up the pot, um, you will get exactly what you are seeking, which is uh, violence and mayhem and such. It's very easy to do that, by the way. Very easy to get people agitated. That's why you have to worry about mob control to some extent. It, it's, uh, you, you feed into their very core fears and suppositions and, and telling them at the same time that they're victims and all the problems are, are, the cause, are caused by somebody else or better yet, some other group of people that are trying to push them down, it, it's, it whets their appetite because it, te it tells them that they are not responsible for their actions and whatever um, dismay and, and problems they've, they've been experiencing is also not something that they can do anything about. And it reminds me of, uh, again, Simpsons. You know, we talk about Simpsons a lot on this show. And there's an episode where Bart, <clears throat> who uh, would love to have nothing more than a strike uh, among the teachers so that he doesn't have to go to school, right? So what does he do? He, he sees the, the principal and the administration uh, on the one hand and the teachers on the other. They're all mingling about. They seem to be, you know, just fine with each other. And <clears throat> Bart kind of whispers something loud, like an, but trying to sound like an adult. Um, you know, we're going to have to... I, I dare you to, uh, to, to cut our, our teachers' salaries. You, you wouldn't dare... And then the administration says, well, how, who's daring us? And then they say, well, I dare you. And he just kind of sets this whole rabble-rousing in motion. And next thing you know, he gets exactly what he wants. The teachers strike. And they're gone for like two weeks, and it takes a long time before they figure out what happened. But this is what, this is what Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, and these are, those are old-timers at this point. But this is what the Black Lives Matter movement is all about. It's about agitation, and it's the easiest thing to do. Easy. So 
Look, look how quickly the Black Lives Matter movement, as it were, has grown in the past, what is it, six, eight months um, from where we are now, which is August 2016. Think of it, right? It's, it's, uh, now there's a formality to the organization that is growing so exponentially. And it's, it's a group about, what is it? It's a group about just saying, we're... Our, our lives matter and nobody else's lives matter? I, it's not too clear? Right. Well, that's exactly the point. Uh, they, their thing is black lives matter. If something happens to a black life, they will bring violence, mayhem, arson, and looting to your town. Right. And if anyone dare says anyone's lives matter too, right. they will bring the agitation to your crown and burn it down as well. Right. You're not allowed to say all lives matter. Any lives matter other than black lives matter. Yeah, but putting that aside, I'm I'm simply saying how easy, how how quickly it's grown. Right. And it's it's like, in a sense, it's like a forest fire. Right. right? You don't don't need to, it's like, like an arsonist doesn't need to work to make the fire grow. Right. right. It's it's gonna grow on its own, thank you very much. You, You don't need to push it very much. You just need to light the match, and you're you're good to go. And get out of the way. Okay. That's helpful. That's for yeah. sure. And and we we it's provable because for anyone out there, you me, who's even who's either been to a concert or a sporting event or seen one on TV, we see something. They're called event staff, security, and cops, and they're all over the place at any large gathering of people to prevent that exact thing from ever happening. Right. Because. Riots break out at concerts and sporting events all the time if the crowd is not kept in control. Yeah, it's very, it's very scary. And, uh, and this group does nothing but go to places and cause riots. So what is the, um, uh, the, the, the match here that makes it all grow so quickly? It's the fake racism. Yes. They create fake racism uh, claiming that something exists that doesn't exist because... You know, look, I think I speak for a lot of whites and other non-black Americans when we say we just don't give a crap. We just care about the quality of you as a human being. Uh, frankly, I, you know, uh, with my own kids, for example, if they uh, met somebody who was black and they wanted to marry that person, uh, assuming that marriage is even an institution in the future, but whatever, I, I don't care. I mean, I, I hope that they have the same values, the conservative values of that. And different genders. That would be yes, nice. that's true. It would be nice. It would be the opposite <laughs> right. gender. That's that's true. One one day they'll look, they'll look back at this podcast and say, "Can you believe that they're openly preferring a different gender?" Right. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I don't care about the skin color. Um, you know, hopefully they're Jewish. You know, but there there are many black Jews, by the way. So I really don't care. I just don't care. I, the values are all that matters to me. And uh, but. But this is. Uh, but they would want you to believe otherwise. That that, you know, the whole world is against them. So that's the match. This fake racism. And guess what? It leads to real racism. What do we mean by real racism? We mean that now all of a sudden we're forced to talk in terms of blacks, whites, and well, basically that's it. That's the main blacks and everyone else, right? The Black Lives Matter movement is is the primary guilty culprit in this. Because they insist that if you say all lives matter, well, then that's very offensive to them. Well, why? I mean, clearly, it's, it's axiomatic that all lives matter, at least in the eyes of God, of course. But if you say all lives matter, well, then somehow it's an insult. So you have to say black lives matter, uh, lest you be called a racist. And so, again, you're, you're defining the world. You're separating the world between black and white, or black and non-black, for that matter. See, that's the only distinction among many others, right? There's the distinction between um, blacks and whites and, let's say, gays and homophobes, right? Uh, these are the new distinctions du jour, not the other distinctions that you and I value so much, which is a distinction between honor and shame, for example, um, criminal and non-criminal, uh, you know... Uh, good and cl- evil. Good and evil, cl- clean yeah. and dirty. I mean, th- these are the things that we... These are the distinctions that matter, but, but they're the ones that are trying to make these false distinctions, shall we say, and then expect everyone to kind of line up accordingly. And yeah, you know and what? Then, they're do- and they're doing a good job. Right. And, then as and part- it's leading to the very racism that they profess to decry. Right. And that's what I wanted to jump in with is it leads to it because two things then happen. 
Number one, the people told over and over again that the racism that they're told is real, is, is real, start to believe it. And once you think that people hate you because of the race you belong to, something interesting happens with human nature. You immediately start hating all the people who aren't like you, which is racism, right? right? That, that's what racism is. That is racism. And, but, so, so you, but you create this world where you, on the one hand, expect, uh, if you're a Black Lives Matter advocate and you're black yourself, and then you're told... Uh, you know, you should perceive yourself as the black and the others as the non-black, and this is where the battle lines are drawn. And then you tell, so that's bad enough, right? And then you tell the people who are not black, who, who you and me, who, who had never thought in these terms at all, well, now suddenly we have to think in those terms. And they're, they're demanding that we speak in those terms. So now all of a sudden I've got to talk about the black community uh, and, you know, all things in life are divided between black and white. So guess what? It's it's it, it's imposed racism, right? It's, yes. It's involuntary racism. I, I didn't want to be. I mean, I'm not racist, and I'll never will be. But it's like, but you're forcing me to now dance around my words, and if a black man comes by, I have to kind of note it, or whatever it is. You know, it, I, all these laws are made in, in, in the context of black and white and such. Why are you doing this? Why, yeah, why, why would you want that? Yeah, it's it's inviting and forcing you to go to a party you never wanted to go to. Right. And and then there's one other thing, and this is the worst of all, the actual on-the-ground effect at these events sponsored by Black Lives Matter. The Milwaukee one last week. They start hunting down and beating up white people on the street who just happened to cross their paths just because. Isn't that because they are white? Right. Isn't that the very definition of racist? Meaning, the very people who are walking around thinking they're such victims of racial anything, discrimination, violence, bias, police brutality, etc., are now going around as a targeting, uh, I'll call a lynch mob, engaging in essentially lynching of people of different creeds. Right. So, th so that's, of course, so it becomes, automatically it from, racist. So it goes from it's, what I call um, racism of the head to racism of the fist. Right. So, but then think about it from the, the white person's perspective, okay, going in Milwaukee or what have you. So they hear that bad things are happening and whites are being targeted. So they, the, the white person says, I ain't going to go anywhere near that area. So you can call that racist, I guess, if you like. Well, yeah, I guess so. But, but that's a racism that you yourself fostered. I mean, that's right. It, it, like magic. I just don't. Nobody wants to die. That that's that's a you know a, a fair axiom. But here we are. You know, you're you're creating the very racism that you claim that you don't want. I don't know. I, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm a little bit uh, cautious about the next uh, steps that we might see in the next few few weeks. And and who is behind all this? You know, what's we, we talked about the Al Sharpens and the Jesse Jacksons. Oh, you don't you don't see them very much, but you see other people like them who profess to be the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement and and what they're demanding. And I and I heard somebody uh, on the talk radio today speaking to Dennis Prager, or was it Rush Limbaugh, I forget, but basically explaining to him that you, we need to see these cold hard truths and you may not like that and this is what it's all about and and it's really really a, a difficult world for the black uh, for black people generally speaking and but the cold hard truths you know look I, I agree with you that there, you might might get a look from time to time but I don't think for a moment that somehow it's as pervasive as you claim it to be for one thing and then I, I again I feel sorry for you if you feel this way it's it's a it's a shame you live that way but it's just fostering this mentality that is so destructive that certainly has not gotten anyone anywhere, right? So this mentality didn't help in the 50s. Actually, it didn't even start. It wasn't even there in the 50s. Things were getting better from a race relations point of view. But then it started fomenting in the late 60s, um, and that didn't help. Then it, it, it kind of agitated again in the 70s. I remember with forced busing and affirmative action and such. Well, that didn't help. And then in the 80s, there was kind of a hiatus where there was actually a, a, a good period, I think, for race relations, where, surprise, surprise, there was a, a new conservatism afoot, and people just didn't speak in those terms. I'm sure that racism existed, don't get me wrong, but it was a hell of a lot better than it was in the 70s. And then the 90s and beyond, 
you know, there was this kind of like, it was a, um, uh, a solution. So what was the expression? A problem in search of a solution? Or Right. In the 90s, uh, we had two big incidents in which the race hustlers tried to make hay of it and luckily yeah. failed. O.J. Simpson and the L.A. riots, yeah. Rodney King. Right. And in both situations, this is what I like to point out about both of those, and I think this is, this is a salient point, which is this. Racism had become so rare that those incidents garnered so much attention because of their rarity. Yeah. Well, and this is what we talked about before, that, that the victims, the Trayvon Martins and such, the Eric Garners and the Michael Browns, they have names. That's how rare it is that we, we remember these incidents with, you know, yes, it's plural, but you can, you can literally count it on, on two hands. It's one a year. Yeah. One a it's year. Something, something like that. Yeah, Trayvon, exactly. 2013. Michael Brown, 2014. Uh, uh, Freddie Gray, yeah. 2015. Uh, Gardner doesn't even, it was a stupid incident. Shouldn't even rate with the other. That's true. Yeah. Um, but Freddie Gray, and now uh, this new one today, the Silville guy. Yeah. So basically, one real shooting year. And in all four situations, it was the shooting of a criminal. If, yeah. if the community was sane and was spread good information by both the media and the activists, they would go, oh, criminals off the streets? Yeah. Thank God. Good. Yeah. good riddance. Well, in the meantime, the real racism, because, and here is, here's the real racism, and this is where we should start wrapping things up. Uh, the real racism is in the schools and the, the government system, which, which fails to take care of the schools, which, you know, uh, no, ennobles the teachers above all else uh, and lets them fail to, to teach whatsoever, doesn't give the poor any choice in their education system. And then the real racism of, of the lack of encouragement of the, the family in the black community, instead of encouraging the black community to accept welfare and to be dependent on, on welfare. Um, and then, of course, to advocate and to make them think of themselves as victims. All of those things we just mentioned is the real racism. That's the thing that's destroying you. And you're looking at the wrong direction, my friends, in the Black Lives Matter movement. I, I respect what you want to do. I think 80% I think of you have genuinely noble goals. But you don't realize that the, the solution to this is not more racism. The solution is to, to fight all these government pro, uh, programs that I just talked about. The solution is conservatism. The solution is family and God. Once you do that and you, you reinstall the father back into the black lives uh, of, of any child, for example, you will quickly see racism, just whatever perception of racism you feel ha is out there or victims, victimhood you have, it'll just evaporate, right? Opportunities will abound and you'll discover that other Americans just want to embrace you. We just don't care. So... I, I don't know. That's the real racism. And, and, it, and you're just encouraging more by this fake racism that, that just, you know, doesn't exist. You know it. We, anybody looking at what happened with uh, O.J. Simpson knew that it had nothing to do with his race, right? I mean, he was, that was the ultimate fake racism, right? Because he, he was so wealthy and it's not as if the police were trying to get a, you know, a black guy and push him down. Yeah, right? specifically with OJ, they were trying everything they could not to get him. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was, if anything, it was, was really inconvenient yeah, for them. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was wealth discrimination, if anything. Uh, not, not, I mean, sorry, for wealth as, as opposed to against wealth. Um, so that was one thing. And, but then it kind of like started stirring up the pot. And, and I think race baiters like Justin Jackson and Al Sharpton saw how well that worked. And then they started saying that to the extent when, when, a, when a, um, a white woman was raped uh, or killed or, or anybody else is killed. And, and, you, and you, you point to this black person who may have done this and, in fact, did do it. Then they, 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 they cry racism. Uh, or, and then vice versa, if a cop kills a black person, preferably if the cop is white, right, because that's the ultimate racism, then, well, gosh, that's racism. It couldn't have been just because the, the, the kid was, was engaging in a crime or, worse yet, actually brandished, what is it, brandished a gun? Yeah, brandished a gun toward the cop, and the cop thought for fear of his life and, and, and shot the kid. Or they in, couldn't have been for that yeah. reason. Or in Michael Brown's case, trying to take the cop's gun and use it against the yes, cop. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, 
So, so they've, they've discovered how powerful this was. This was the ultimate inflaming of the mob. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the movie uh, Monsters, Inc. Did you see that movie? It's a very cute movie uh, for kids. Anyway, without spo- I don't think it's quite a spoiler alert, but in the movie, they're, they're trying to energize the Monstropolis, right? The city of monsters, right? And they do so by sending all these monsters into these kids' bedrooms, right? And when they get the screaming, they manage to capture the energy of the kids' screams. And that's what, you know, they bring it back to Monstropolis and, and then, you know, it energizes the city. Well, somewhere along the line, there's, there's a kid who starts laughing and they discover that the, the energy is so much more intense with the laughter of a child. And at the end of the day, um, because of a corruption within this uh, scare factory and such like that, they, 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 they have to close it down. And then the uh, Billy Crystal character realizes, hey, we can just have the kids laugh and we'll have so much more of a, 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 a energized a city. Life. A better life. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and there'll be more energy. It's far easier. So it's like 10 times more powerful than it's scary. And, and, and so sure enough, it works out and everyone's happy and the monsters are now just having a laugh f- factory with the kids as opposed to trying to scare them. All right, so why do I bring this all up? Because I think that they found out that, they, that the race peddlers found out that the best way to get action, to get attention, and to inflame situations is simply to, say, to just claim racism in every interaction with every cop whatsoever. Just, just say that it's happening and you will have a huge mob. That's far more powerful than the old days of trying to say, well, this employer, you know, you know didn't hire this, this black person or, you know, this person wouldn't serve this, this black person at a restaurant and such. Wow. That, that, I mean, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, you know, but, it, but wow, you just look at any confrontation with a cop, with any black person and specifically a black person you've got yourself a nice mob, okay? It works wonders. And I think they discovered that during the LA riots with Rodney King, and then they discovered it very quickly thereafter with uh, O.J. Simpson. And that's, that's how, how fake racism leads to real racism. This whole project that we're talking about today is the advancement of real racism solely because of this fiction that the race peddlers themselves are creating. What a tragic world we, we do indeed live in. But it's, it's a falsity and we dare fight it. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case where your client invested $100,000 with her accountant who put her into various fake real estate investments. Yes, the challenge here was that neither the attorney nor the client were really focusing on this case. So what would you do? At the deposition, I had a big stack of documents that I told her I was going to ask her to testify about. I made sure she saw those documents and let her know her serious exposure. We settled for the full amount of the payments my client had paid her. We didn't even start the deposition. Litigation is a lot about understanding the psychology of your opposing party and sometimes the opposing counsel. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. All right, folks. Uh, listen, one of the topics that I always am fascinated with is uh, evolution, as you know. I have kids in, in uh, school, and they learn about evolution in the way that you would expect them to, right? The, the biology teacher or whoever uh, talks about evolution and here's what started, uh, you know, life began here, then evolved by, by way of this process called survival of the fittest and whoever survived well then their genes kind of you know dominated and uh, and, and, he, and here we are and it's all so simple so neatly packaged you know talk about a theory of everything right there there you go uh, 
And my son, who goes to a Jewish school, um, you know, he raises his hand and he says, you know, where's God in all this? And then they say, well, this is not really about God. And, and, and I thought it was an inter- interesting thing because they knew they were in a Jewish school and yet they're teaching evolution. And, and here's the question I have. How can you reconcile evolution and God altogether, right? If you're a religious school, whether it's Jewish or Catholic or, or, or otherwise, and you're actually teaching evolution as though it's, it's science, which it's, you know, it's just a fantasy. Evolution is truly a fantasy. Um, if that's the case, then how do you, how do you adjust, how do you reconcile these two? Because they are not compatible. In fact, they are among the most mutually exclusive theories that I could think of, right? I mean, you can come up with different ideas, I, I suppose, but it's, 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 it's more um, separated than oil and water. You, you hear that expression, right? Oil and water, right? Yeah, at least there's things called emulsifiers. So you can, <laughs> right. you can use a, an egg to bond oil and water together or some mustard. Well, yeah, but, but, you, but you, you can also... You can't bound those two. You can, technically, you can drink oil and water, right? You could... Right? I mean, it's, it's just that simple. It's... Um, and then they're, they're, you're semi together somehow. But evolution and God are completely antagonistic toward each other. So here's the conundrum, I suppose you could say, is that if you, if you believe in God and then you also believe in evolution, what do you do with yourself at that point? Because it makes no sense, you understand. Because evolution, by definition, means that things happen randomly through, like we said, survival of the fittest. And you get from point A to point B over billions of years, and, uh, you know, no hand had a hand in it, so to speak, because if it did, then it wouldn't be survival of the fittest, right? If you're saying, like some people I know, so, well, God had a hand in it and from time to time got involved. Well, wait a minute. I, you know, then, then it kind of throws off the whole evolution theory altogether. And it throws off the God theory in that uh, you're supposed to assume that there's a creator who only works part-time, yeah, a good point. That's a good way of putting it. Why would he, if, if there is a God, and I believe, of course, and know that there is one, why would you say, well, let's just, let's see what happens, okay? Right. <laughs> Maybe uh, an intelligent uh, human being will come out of all this, right? Um, and by the way, never mind, of course, the, the big elephant in the room, as it were, is that there's no fossil record that establishes that evolution, it works, right? It, that there's just, it's completely discredited, right? That That's... We now know that it's just, it makes no sense whatsoever. You, you look at any science on the subject and you'll find out that the fossil record just simply does not jibe with the notion of evolution. Evolution by Darwin sounded very nice, I'm sure. Theoretically, in his head, it just worked out great on paper. But then reality hit and it just, it just ain't so. Okay. And by contrast, um, the Bible is on paper but it actually is reality, and science is, is showing that the, what the Bible is saying about the origins of not only the universe and the planet, but of life itself is, is as the Bible said it. it. It actually has the step, lockstep sort of approach where it says, here came the, the anim- these animals first, then these animals, then these animals. And it's exactly as the fossil record is now saying. So either it's an incredible coincidence or uh, God had a hand in it. Okay. It's as simple as that. And then gave us an instruction manual to right. explain it. To, exactly right. Which, by the way, just thinking logically, would be the logical behavior of a super being. Yes. Right? It would. It, because is the one word I just want to throw out there and see if how this resonates with you, is the word intention. You, you, you're a superb, a supreme being. Okay? You created everything, including life. And you had no intention on where this was going to go? Yeah. <laughs> you just it's left absurd. it up to chance and, and, and went on vacation? It's, it's a very bizarre thing that somehow, you know, the, the notion, I, I don't know how they rectify it, the, 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 the situation of God and evolution. I mean, I talked to my, um, my parents, my, you know, my mom in particular. She was, uh, you know, she, I asked her, do you believe in God? Yes, I do. And then I and and I was trying to explain to her evolution doesn't make sense, and she she listened to me as if something was wrong with me, like what's the matter with me? And I said, Mom, what what do you think? I mean, you think that God just kind of let this stuff randomly happen, and then one day a human being kind of came to the fore, and then God looked around and said, Well, that oh well, okay, here's a human being. I guess I'll intervene in in his affairs, 
Or maybe, maybe you don't believe that God intervenes at all. Okay, it, at, at, at which point you would say, well, why have a God at, at all? Right, what's the point? I mean, it's like, it's like we talked before about the, in the show before about firemen not having a cause anymore, right? Uh, if, if, there's, if there's no intervention by God in human affairs or for that matter, the universe, then why have a God at all? You can't have it both ways. And I, I just don't think that a lot of people, and I'm talking about believers now, you know, the atheist to some extent I respect in, in this one area is that they, well, you know, athe- evolution jibes with their atheism because there's no God. They are consistent. Okay, now, the fact that it's not random and the fact that they can't explain how it all came to pass and the probabilities are, are just bizarre, so bizarre that you couldn't possibly, you know, believe this crap. But at least, you know, God and evolution are not inconsistent in their mindsets because there is no God in their mindset. But I, I'm speaking now to the, to the believer, and I want you to really study this issue of evolution and understand that when they teach it to your kids in school, that it is mutually exclusive. You, it's not a question of, what is the expression, walking and chewing gum at the same time or being able to accept two different realities and one's the irrational and one's the rational. And as I heard a lot of people talk about, one's a question of faith and another is a question of science and you compartmentalize them in your head. No, why, why should you? Why would you? How, why would that be so? Yeah, and if, if you truly believe in God, you would understand that the science and God are one and the same. They're not, they're not to be compartmentalized, ever. God is this. This is every, everywhere you look, there is God. As I explained to my kids, and, and they're so fun because they, they say, they're, they're in, he's in my hair, yep. In my eyelashes, yep. In my burps, yep. And, and I, I go on and on with this. It was just so much fun. Uh, in this mosquito, yep, everything. And they, we have a good time with that, but you can't have evolution and God in the same equation. And I want people to think about this because if they do think about this, then they'll fight evolution because they'll realize that, that evolution is a crock. And when you have kids, understand that they're teaching this crock to your kids. It's, it's, a, it's a poison pill, the, the study of evolution in school. You can study it as a, as a quaint notion of the way we understood. From a historical point of view, you can say, look, uh, this is the way people used to think that evolution, sorry, that uh, the man came on board uh, on earth and it was all random. And there's this man named Charles Darwin who advanced this theory and it, it took hold a lot. But we have since found out that, that that theory doesn't hold. Okay, maybe something else, but it ain't evolution. It ain't random at the very least. That, that much we now know. Uh, And we believe here at this Jewish school, at this Catholic school, at this Protestant school, whatever you want to be, we believe that God had a hand in it. Okay? That's that's what you want. Now, you can say, of course, God doesn't have a hand and doesn't want to have a hand in every single movement that you have every single second of the day. Otherwise, we're just puppets, right? He obviously gives us free, free will or free choice, as some people call it. But that doesn't mean that he's not the first instigator of all things. Just like your, your parents, you know, they, they chose to have you as a child, right? And, and they raise you and they, they give you direction, they nurture you, they, they feed you, they clothe you, they, they, they send you to the right school and such. But, but of course you have, at some point, you're on your own and you've got to take care of yourself and you have to exercise your free will. Um, but, and this is the way God was with us, with all the animals. He created this world and now he said, interact, find me in your own way, be good to each other. That's, what, that's the only thing that explains everything that we see. And it's so funny because the uh, scientists like Stephen Hawking and, and others, and what's his name, Neil Tyson. Oh, DeGrasse Tyson. DeGrasse Tyson, right. They're, they're searching for the theory of everything, right? It's the TOE is what they call it. And the theory of everything is, you know, uh, a formula like E equals MC squared, that would apply to everything in the universe. Okay, so here's that one theory, and, and they can't find it, and I dare say they'll never find it for so, all sorts of reasons, but that's not the important part. Um, and it's, I, I find it really, really interesting to see how these people scramble, but there is, there is a theory of everything, Ari, and that theory of everything is what I just said. 
that God has actually created this. And God, God's purpose for us is to take, that we take care of each other, that we seek to find him, to seek the values that God wants us to find, and to be godly in the process. That, that is something that explains everything that we see. Yeah, and there also, there's a caveat to the TOE. They want to find the theory of everything that doesn't include God. Oh, yes, you that's a good point. Because they're practicing what's called bad science. And what, what's bad science? Science with a preconceived agenda. Yeah. They're saying they, they want to find science that they like, right. not science that just is. Right. Which means it's not science. Right. It's, it's agenda. It's politics, really. Right. It's, it's almost like saying, let, let's, let's make this car go without use of any sort of energy, right? Make it go, <laughs> okay? Not with your own um, uh, pushing it, not with use, using gravity in any way, not using electricity or fuel or wind power or solar power or anything else, but make it go anyway. Yeah, and while we're at, let's get wheels. I want square wheels. That's on. right, yes, the square wheels, that's right. And yeah. then we'll see. It. Or you know what? Maybe that's a better analogy. Like um, we refuse to use round wheels, um, and so you can use anything but round wheels anything to make this car wheels. go, okay? Yeah. And and go. <laughs> Finish up your, your project, sir. Yeah. And, and it's an it's absurdity. And then, and then saying, and we know it's going to work someday. <laughs> that's right. Right? right. I know it. Right. I know. And that's what the TOE is yeah. without God. Of course. The theory of everything. It's just, it's fascinating that they, they, they still glom onto this. Anyway, evolution and uh, and God. They, yeah, talk, they are, talk for a second about why it's a poison pill, though, because I think that's you like a, that, yeah. a very important point. Yeah, the, the it's a it's a Trojan horse, if you will, um, where they teach you this notion of God, sorry, of, of of man happening on this earth randomly. So it teaches you to think of yourself as some sort of random project, ah, right? Interesting. And you're no different for that matter than all the other animals. You're just merely more sophisticated because of circumstances. So that's... that's so they're saying all you are is matter, but you don't really matter. Right. Yeah, in we, essence. That's right. And so as so this is why people like, like that who really adopt this, they believe... For example, you hear these phrases from environmentalists and, and other non-believers who say the earth would be much better if man were not in it. Yes. Right? Well, if man were not in it, then there would be no purpose for the earth altogether. I, we can talk about that all day long in another podcast. But, but the earth was made for man. That's the whole point. Earth, the animals were, were designed to be under man's dominion. Again, for a whole different reason that we don't need to explore right now, but... There would be no point. It's, it's, it would be a rock, for, for that matter. Animals just kind of roaming around doing stuff, you know, peeing and, and pooping and eating each other and, and running away from each other and, and then ultimately mating and just to, to process, to repeat that process over and over again. And th that's, that's not a meaningful life. Why, why have life altogether, right? The only thing that makes sense is when man is in the equation. But evolution teaches the student that you're nothing. Uh, all the while, by the way, telling, giving them the self-esteem movement, right? This, this, that's the funny thing about it. It's like, well, if you really want self-esteem, then believe in God. Yeah, and tell people they're more than just matter. Yeah. Tell them that they're right. spiritual, they're transcendent. Right. That that's, that's right. Talk what about, they do and feel and think yeah. matters more than just their physical matter. Right. Talk about a theory of everything, right? That, yeah. You, you, then you, you plug God in suddenly, oh, there it is. Right. Suddenly you become an integrated person, integrated, and that's where the, where the word integrity comes from, right? You are an integrated whole person, and you can't be one without God in the equation. My rabbi, uh, a very good man, Rabbi uh, Brennan Gaines, who I just adore, uh, he said something in passing once, and I just thought it was such a brilliant point, and it was so clear at the same time. He said, you know, we, we take God out of our lives altogether, and then we're so surprised that we have the highest rate of depression ever recorded. And uh, could it be that if we reinstalled God into our lives, just maybe, and gave ourselves a sense of purpose, then maybe we would get rid of all that sense of purposelessness, right? That we, we had a sense that we mattered. We might actually have a, a trajectory. Maybe God is the map that helps us go from point A to point B. Instead, what, as I think as Dennis Prager said, you know, they give us a map and, and all, it's a map only of your, your block, right? You know where your neighbors live on the, on the right side of you and the neighbors on the left side of you. And maybe 
you know, Main Street, you know, a quarter mile down. And that's it. Okay, this is, this is your knowledge of the world. But you have no sense of which way is north and where the ocean is and why you would want to avoid this jungle here and so and no, and to say nothing of, of knowing anything outside of the earth. But this is the way they think. It's, it's always been the way they think. You cannot have a theory of everything without God in it. Maybe that's the, the big point that we're trying to, trying to make here. Isn't it interesting, and we talked about Windex before, how you know, we were making, we were jumping off of that wonderful movie, um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, where there's a character there that, for, for whom the, uh, the product Windex is, is the solution for everything, right? It's, uh, it cleans, of course, and it get, you, know, you spray it on your head for a headache, and you know, it, it, it also smooths out your skin or whatever it is. And it's kind of a cute little running gag throughout the movie. And so, and we joked before about what is the Windex for the life's social economic ills. And we talked about it was market capitalism, right? But perhaps the best Windex of all is, is having God in your life. If you really have, not, not Allah and, and the radical Islamic Allah that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real kind of God that we're talking about, where the, the God of Abraham, the God of Jesus, for that matter, the God of Joseph, you know, where... The where, one true God. The one true the God. God of gods. The, the God of gods. The absolute creator of the universe and everything. Just thank choose him to be with him. Just choose to be with him. And for some crazy reason, and something the way you, you explained it, Ari, it really opened it up for me, where... Suddenly, everything opens up and you realize, ah, now I see it. Right. Okay, so where should I go with my life, for example? What, what sort of passion should I pursue? If you, if you really embrace God, you would, the answer would come to you very shortly. You know why? Because you would say, God, what do you think I need to do? Where, where do you think I should go? Help me here. Help me, help, help me achieve your purpose for me. If you said that to yourself, answers would come very quickly. Right, and, and that's sort of the point. That's how powerful and fantastic this is. If you just choose to ask the question, you will get the correct answer. Right. You that's might right. not know it's the correct answer right away, but you will get it. Right. That's, that's how powerful this stuff is, which self-affirms God's mastery of the universe, including in your life. Yeah. But you see, but with evolution, it forces, it doesn't allow you those questions, right? No. Because there is no purpose to life. Because they teach you, and this is the poison pill that you asked about, they teach you that your life is random, it has no purpose, and there's no, there's no point asking for purpose. So, but yet, yet these people have a sense of purpose. They don't know what to do with it. So they, they seek it out in very unhealthy ways, whether that's by drugs or by sex um, or by seeking out fame and notoriety or showing off their bodies one way or the other. Or making money just to make just yeah. for money's sake, and if you look at yeah, well, right. evolution is applied, and you know, well, the successful thing survives and reproduces. Oh, that means I should have as much sex as possible. Yeah, right. I, I, I guess uh, so. That means yeah. I should be as powerful as possible. That means I should eat as much as possible and earn as much as possible. Oh, no I, matter what I have to do to get it. Oh, I, I think you're giving too much credit, Ari. This I, I must disagree with you. I think a lot of times people. Who see, you know, those 50 plus year old men that are single and they're just chasing skirts all the time and, and boasting to married men like, like ourselves about how great it is to be able to chase all these women and, and bed all these women and such. We look at them as pathetic, right? We say, you know, you, you think you're having a good time. You, you think you're impressing us? The fact that you can sleep around a, a, with a lot of women? You're, first of all, you're wasting your time. Second, it's kind of dangerous. And third, it just takes away from whatever your purpose really is. What is your purpose? You, you're seeking it out because you because you, you know there's no purpose. I mean, based upon your belief in evolution right. and your lack of God in your life and such. So you must conclude that there is no purpose. So you're thinking, well, just get all the goodies you can in the meantime. Yes. Have a lot of sex, get a lot of money, and more vacation time you can get out of your boss or whatever it is. So much more power to you. And then uh, if you die with the most toys, then then you've lived a good life. Yes, that, and, that's, and that's, that's the way we look at it. And that's such a fantastic uh, point because if you live a God-centered life, you inevitably, invariably have to come to the conclusion, ah, my job is to make this world and life for other people and other creatures better than when I started. Yeah. That, that, that's what God obviously yeah. wants of all of us. You know what I call it's that? It's so simple. That, that's the true environmentalism. Right. How about that? 
Yes. You like that? Uh, it, you know, these people... Tea party environmentalists. We're going <laughs> to yeah. go clean that park. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> right. yeah, we're going to clean the park because, frankly, we, we want to see a, a world that's better for our future. Yes. I made a point in my, in my book um, uh, about atheism. One of the big distinctions between the architecture that we have today and the architecture that, we, that, that, that abounded, you know, hundreds of years ago was uh, a question of time. When they built a, a church uh, back in the year 1300 or even better yet, 900, they would, they, they would plan it out for 700 years. Yeah, the people who started it would never live to see it completed. Right, and they knew that at the time. Yes. They, they knew that there was no way they were going to see the completion of this church. But they were doing it, obviously, for future generations. Yeah, and on tremendous faith. Yes, that oh, oh, of course. But, there, but it was, there was a purpose for this that's worthwhile. Yeah. And, and nowadays, I mean, no one would build. If you were to say to the city of Santa Monica, for example, you want to build a building, all right, well, tell me about your plans and uh, how long do you want to, you think it'll take? 700 years. Okay, listen, we're going to pass on that. <laughs> um, we don't think that's good because everyone will be dead by the time right. that we'll be enjoying this, right? So, of course, I mean, it's, it's laughable today, but that's the way it was back then. They had a sense of their future. And it was it was the norm. There were there was really no such thing as an atheist. An atheist back then would be somebody who was crazy, not because the church looked down on them or the church was so um, treated as blasphemy, not because of that at all. Because it just didn't make sense. Atheism only only you know this highfalutin intelligentsia elite sort of education can can process the possibility of it of a God-free world and somehow make it make sense. Well, that and one other thing, pain-free life. Well, life was so precious and so short right. and so you had to so cherish it and protect it because people drop dead every day right. of just whatever. You catch a cold, you could be dead. Right. That there was no other way to go through life without going crazy than to believe there was a purpose for your existence directly linked to that that force that created you. But it was clear that there was a purpose. You see, they, they but but putting aside the pain-free life, and I agree with you to some degree, but putting that aside, I think they saw what was obvious. They saw that the complexity of the human being, they saw the ability to, of self-awareness, which is a by the way, that's the ultimate uh, question in life is, is our ability to be self-aware. And you can build a robot and make it very sophisticated, but that robot will never be self-aware. We are for some reason. How do you explain that? So, so people understood these basic concepts back then. They saw that we were different than the animals, that we saw that we were, that we were always aspiring, and that we had these beautiful art. And they came to the very obvious conclusion that God was behind all this. But somehow, some, some idiots came up with this notion that there is no God. And they just, they just decided we're, we're just going to view the world in the same way of, of trying to make the world a car without round wheels. You can make it with triangular wheels. You can make a pentagon wheel for all, all I care. But you can't use round wheels, okay? Because, by golly, that just might work. <laughs> right. Right? And, this is, and now, now we're going back to the beginning, of, of trying to reconcile this evolution business on the one hand and God on the other. And, and I say, you know, to, to even my own school, and I, and I love the school that teaches my children. They, I, I'm very big fans of their teachers and the principals and my fellow parents and such, but I, I don't think they'd stop for a moment to say, hey, could it be that this evolution thing is inconsistent with God? Isn't, isn't, does this jibe with our very core identity, which is that we're a Jewish school or a Catholic school and so on? And you got to ask that question. As a believer, when you embrace evolution, you're really embracing randomness that is completely antithetical from what you actually believe. If you believe that there's a God, then you, you need to understand that, that God is having a hand in your life. And the lives of all other men, and for that matter, all, all the solar system and the galaxy and the universe. They can't be random. They are mutually exclusive. So the talk of evolution is a dangerous one. It's meant to undermine God altogether in the first place. You can't have that. You don't want that. And you don't want to live in a world where evolution dominates and randomness dominates because it just doesn't jibe with reality. It is not 
the theory of everything. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you real soon.